Well, good morning. It's good to have you on this beautiful September fall morning. We're going to be in the book of Acts in just a moment. Acts chapter 8. I encourage you to get your Bibles and turn over to there. We've got to make a couple stops before we get there, but we'll be there in just a moment. Sunday is the best day of the week. We have always said that here. We always believe that. Sundays are just a little bit different. And because of that, we get to gather together. And that reminds us that we're not journeying alone. We get to take the Lord's Supper, which reminds us of a powerful, powerful event in history that changed the world and changed each of us. We get to talk to God. We get to sing to God. We get to read God's Word. Sunday is just the best day of the week. And we're so thankful and so glad for all of that. Life is full of questions. Uh, One of the stanzas we just sang in in our song, I Believe, says life with great mysteries. All you have to do is spend a little bit of time with a four-year-old and you just ask all kinds of questions. The other side of that is life is full of information, information overload. We use expiration sometimes. And so we begin today by talking about can I know? And we want to look at some things that can I know? And we begin by understanding that there are some things that we just don't know. Did you know that polar bears are left-handed? I didn't know that. I don't know how they figured that out. I don't know if they gave him a baseball glove and threw some baseball. I don't know how you figure out polar bears left-handed or right. I don't know that. Did you know that a pig cannot raise his head up and look in the skies? I don't think much about pigs unless I'm eating a pork chop, okay? I didn't know that. There are things we don't know. There are some things that we may never know. Current statistics tell us that there are about one sextillion stars in the universe, but that number changes all the time. We don't know how many stars there are. Book of Psalms says not only does God know how many stars there are, God has a name for all of them, which is powerful. It's more words than we have in the English language, but God has a name for all of the stars. And then there are some things that are important to know. If you get a test tomorrow, you better study this afternoon. You better walk in that test knowing some answers. That's important. If you're going to go out to lunch this afternoon, you're going to use your debit card. It's pretty important that you got to know that you've got enough money in your account to pay for that. If not, you're going to be in trouble. It's important to know those things. If you're taking medicine... It's important to know what medicine, what day, how much I'm supposed to take. That's all pretty important. Years ago, when I grew up in Indianapolis, they always had this thing on the 10 o'clock news. Right before the 10 o'clock news would come on, they'd say, it's 10 o'clock, parents, do you know where your children are? That's pretty important. I think today we'd flip around, kids, do you know where your parents are? We don't, that's where we are today. But then there are some things in life that are essential to know. And these go beyond all things. And so what we're going to do is we're going to begin a little mini-series here entitled, Can I Know? And we're going to focus upon the essential things that you and I need to know. We're going to talk about how to worship God the way God wants to be worshipped. We're going to talk about, can I know what is right? We live in a time where there's all kinds of opinions. Can I know? We're going to talk about, can I know what God wants me to do? When I get up Monday morning, I go about my life, what is it that God expects me to do? Can I know that? But I believe of all the questions we can put in that category of the essential questions, first and foremost is, can I know 
that I am saved. And this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. This idea of salvation. Most important question of all questions. More important than anything else is this question. It won't matter if you've paid all your bills on time if you lose your soul. It will not matter if you had season tickets to your favorite baseball team or football team if you lose your soul. It will not matter whether you were loved and you loved someone else if you lose your soul. Jesus came for this very reason, so that we would have salvation. Can I know I am saved? And I want all of us, as we walk through this, to think about this. And although many of you in this room right now can say, yeah, I was baptized at such and such a date, can I know that I'm saved? Let's begin, first of all, there are some people today who simply say, you don't know. Nobody can know. And so life is a big mystery, and you simply cannot know. That's a scary aspect of this. Because if we don't know, how's it going to affect my behavior, my choices, all these things, if I don't know? Now, before we get to the book of Acts, let's go over to the book of Timothy. And let's notice two places. 2 Timothy chapter 1 was the basis of one of our hymns just a while ago. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he's able to guard that which I entrusted to him until that day. I know whom I have believed. About three pages later, still in 2 Timothy, chapter 4 now, verse 7, verse 8, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, verse 8. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He didn't say, I keep a four-leaf clover in my pocket. Every time I pray, I cross my fingers, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who loved his appearing. Then jump just a few more books in your Bible to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, and we'll revisit this verse in just a moment. But in 1 John chapter 5, and in verse 13, 1 John 5, verse 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, in order that you may know you have eternal life. Can I know if I'm going to heaven? That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, secondly, some people think that salvation is just a feeling, and you're just going to feel saved. Now, the problem with that is, what am I supposed to feel? Am I supposed to feel happy? Well, we're not happy all the time. Okay, there's things in life that make us kind of unhappy. So does that mean I'm not saved? Some things, it's a peace of mind. I had one guy one time tell me, it's like being in love. You, you can't explain it. You just know it if you're there. Well, again, feelings have different meanings. Feelings have different applications. You can sit down with somebody and watch a movie. And that person would say, that's the best movie I've ever seen. The other person fell asleep. You see, we have different reactions. You can go to a modern art museum and look at modern art. Somebody can say, I feel the artist's pain. He's talking about the oppression of the American system. And somebody else will say, I think he threw up in his paint bucket. I mean, I don't see that. And feelings and impressions are never the same. 
And so that's not the basis. You don't feel saved. Other people would say they think they're saved because they're a good person. And what they do is, is they have this system of balances. And so, yeah, I've done some bad things in my life. I've said some things I shouldn't have said. I had some attitudes that weren't right. But I've done a lot of good things. And so as long as I do more good than bad, it's going to work out okay. But the problem is the goodness doesn't take care of the badness. The Bible doesn't teach that. When you have sinned, Romans 3, verse 23, all of us have sinned, you have to do something about that. And just being good doesn't erase that. You have to have the blood of Jesus. And then there are those who are just going to take their chances. And I tell you, that's just scary. Just take it. Because there are no second chances. There's no mulligans in life. If you mess this up and you stand before the judgment seat of God, God doesn't say, I'm giving you a second chance. Let's go backwards and do this over again. There are no do-overs. And so the question is, can I know that I'm saved? And that's what we're going to look at today. Let's begin with some principles. First of all, salvation is the same for everyone. From the resurrection of Jesus throughout the New Testament, it is the same for every person. We don't find one person doing this, someone else doing this, God doing this for this person, God doing that for that person. Since the resurrection of Jesus, salvation is the same for every person. We'll see that in the book of Acts. You'll see that in your heart if indeed you're saved. Now, there's an understanding that everybody has to do something. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter was preaching, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brother, what shall we do? In just a moment now, we're going to read the response. And the response is nothing. God does it all. And if that would be the case, then everybody's saved. But the Bible doesn't teach that, does it? So there's something I have to do. Again, in Acts chapter 9 with Saul of Tarsus, Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Get up, enter the city, and it will be told what you must do. You have to do something. And so when you go to bed at night and say, you know what, I'm just going to go to bed, and when I wake up tomorrow, I am saved. No. You have to do something. In Acts 16, when we talk about the Philippian jailer, and he brought him out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So now let's turn our Bibles to the book of Acts in chapter 8. This is just one example in our Bible of conversion. And I just want to read it, and we're going to talk about some of the aspects here. This is the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. As we read this, what we're thinking about is that question. Can I know I am saved? It begins in verse 26. It says, And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza, that is the desert road. And he arose and went, and behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He's an important guy. Today, he would be like the Secretary of Treasury, very prominent government job. And he'd been to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot reading the prophet Isaiah. 
The spirit said to Philip, go up and join his chariot. When Philip had run up there, he heard him reading the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, verse 31, how can I unless somebody guides me? He invited Philip to come up with him and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Whom shall relate to his generation? His life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch says, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Verse 37, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. First of all, he had been to worship, but he wasn't saved. Just because I'm sitting in this church building this morning doesn't mean I'm saved. I got up and I made a choice. To get up, take a bath or a shower, shave, put on some decent clothes, drive down here where most of the houses I pass, people are sleeping still in bed, and here I am. That must mean to God I'm saved. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Just because you sit in a church house does not mean that I'm saved. Also notice he was reading the Bible. He was reading from the book of Isaiah. And you might say, well, I read my Bible today. That must mean I'm saved. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And so what we see taking place here is, first of all, we see the preaching of God's word. Look again at verse 35 of our context. It says, and Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. When we think about the aspects of salvation, the plan of salvation, it begins, first of all, by hearing the gospel message. Without exception, that happens every time in the book of Acts. For somebody to say, you know what, I'm saved, but I've never read that Bible. I'm saved, I've never heard a word from that Bible, but I know I'm saved. No, you're not. Not according to the Bible. Churches don't save you. Preachers don't save you. Mankind doesn't save you. Only the God of heaven does. So we have to look at what God says in this regard. And so it begins with the hearing of God's word. Let's run through some verses. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, what's it? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Acts chapter 11, when Peter had gone to Cornelius' house, it says, And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. The connection to our salvation begins first with the preached word of God. That's why every Sunday, either me or Jason are up here with our Bibles preaching. We're not up here with puppets entertaining you we're not getting a guitar out to sing you a song it'd be a bad day if i ever did that for you i can't play the guitar and i can't sing and you all go home crying but that's not what we do 
Why? Because we want you to be in heaven. How does it start? It starts with hearing the word of God. Jesus would say in the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because that is the starting point of salvation. I must hear this message and I must believe this message. The Ephesians said this in Ephesians chapter 1. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our own inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Listening to the message of truth. If I want to be saved... It begins with the gospel. Now, this preaching leads to baptism. Notice again in our context, Acts chapter 8, verse 35. He opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along, now imagine these two guys are in his chariot, okay? And this Ethiopian, this eunuch, this this. Secretary of Treasury is extremely wealthy. He had his own private copy of Isaiah. Now, y'all have Isaiah, but back then, very few people had it. I believe the preacher Philip probably didn't have his own copy of that. And so they're traveling along in this chariot, and Philip is talking about this verse. He's talking about Jesus. And all of a sudden, this Ethiopian says, look, water. Why did he say that? Why didn't he say, look, a cloud, look, a dog, look, a bird? Because preaching Jesus involves baptism. That's how we remove the sins from our life. So we begin by hearing the gospel. We believe that message. I believe the words are true. That leads me to changing. It's called repentance. I realize what I've done is not right. What I've done is not working out. And I changed my direction. I confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And then I'm baptized. Once again in our study, in verse 38, he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, if baptism is just pouring a little water on your head, you can do that while you're driving down the road. I mean, my kids, they have all kinds of videos in the cars, all kinds of munchies. When they do a road trip, man, they don't ever have to stop. And so we're driving in this chariot, and he says, why can't I be baptized? Well, here's some water. Let me just pour it on your head. They stopped the chariot. They both went down into the water, which is going to tell us a little bit about baptism. It's going to tell us how important this is. But notice, first of all, the hearing, the believing, the repenting, the confessing before being baptized. Brother Shouse, I was baptized as a child. You don't read that in your Bible. As a child, you can't confess. As a child, you have nothing to repent of. As a child, you can't believe. As a child, you don't understand the preached message. You might have been baptized as a child. That wasn't your choice. That was your mama's choice. Here is the person's choice. And so when we think about the idea of baptism... Peter's response in Acts 2, we read verse 37, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, and that each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Just doing enough good deeds is not going to take care of those sins. 
I got to have the blood of Jesus, and I contact that blood of Jesus in baptism. Back to the Great Commission. We read verse 15 where Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Can I know I'm saved? Well, have I heard the message? And do I believe it? And has it changed my life? Have I confessed Jesus? And have I been baptized? Well, I don't think you have to be baptized. Jesus says so. So some church, some preacher, some smart guy out here knows more than Jesus. Revelation chapter 1. And Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Other translations will use the expression, he washed us from our sins in his blood. And so what we notice here in Acts chapter 8, we notice just this little this little scheme here. We see it begins, first of all, with, act, with the idea of facts. And so Philip preached Jesus. That's a fact. Jesus came, God on earth. Jesus proved he was God through miracles and through his teachings. And Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus went back to heaven. That's the fact. Based upon that, I have faith. And that's why it says in verse 36, he says, look water. Because he's been talking about Jesus. From that comes this idea of feelings. After the Ethiopian was baptized, he went on his way rejoicing. Fact, faith, feelings. If you get that order out of order, it never works right with God. If I have feelings first, oh, I just know I'm saved. How do you know that? Well, I can't really explain it. I just know. No, there's no facts there. Fact first, then faith, then the feelings. Again, we look in our Bibles. Acts chapter 10. This is Cornelius, the first Gentile. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave many alms to Jewish people, and prayed to God continually. Right there, he is saved. No, he's not. Just because you're good doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you pray doesn't mean you're saved. And so Peter goes there, and Peter tells him, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. But at the end of this chapter, he ordered him to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? That's how you get saved. Can I know I'm saved? Have I been baptized? I pray to God every night. That's awesome. I read my Bible every day. Every Sunday you're going to find me in this room. That's awesome. But that does not mean you are saved. Do you see that? Acts chapter 16, another example. Consistently throughout the book of Acts. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. You notice the preaching there, Paul was preaching, she was responding, she was believing what the apostle said. And when she and her household had been baptized, they urged them to stay on. Acts chapter 16, we read about 
the jailer in Philippi. And they said, when he asked, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him. There again is that preaching, together with all who were in his house, they took him that very hour of the night, washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized in all his household. After the cross of Jesus, after the cross of Jesus, you find no one having forgiveness who had not heard, believed, confessed, been baptized for their sins. Romans chapter 6 gives us this great analogy. He says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? That's why it's a burial. It's an immersion. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in that newness of life. And so what we see here is the preaching leads to faith, the preaching leads to baptism, the preaching leads to following Jesus. Just being baptized isn't the end of the journey. It isn't, well, I got baptized, I got my Willy Wonka ticket, and now I'm set for heaven. No, no. It's like a marriage and a wedding. The wedding is the first day. There's a whole marriage that comes after the wedding day. And so we must walk with Jesus. Ephesians 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Brother Goldman talking about living with him. That's what it means to be saved. Am I living with him? 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Practicing righteousness, living with him, walking with him, that's part of the idea. The steps of salvation begins with what God has done and then continues with what we are supposed to do. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, verse 10, Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Am I saved? It's more than what I do on Sunday. It's what I do on Monday. It's what I do on Tuesday. It's what I do on Friday night. It's what I do with my paycheck. It's what I do in the movie theater. It's what I do in my conversations. It's what I do in social media. The one who's of God walks with God. And so we see this idea that by grace we've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so as we go back to this chart, there's two aspects. First aspect is God's part. God sent Jesus. God demonstrated who Jesus was. Jesus died for us. We can do none of that. That's God's part. But then you and I have a part, and that's the faith aspect. I have to hear that message. I have to believe that message. That message has to change me. And those are all aspects we see when we think about our part. Can I know that I'm saved? And then the third thing I want you to understand is that God wants you to be saved. Again, from some things we've talked about already this morning, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation. That was our Lord's Supper passage. 
And so when we think about this aspect, we look at passages like 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, which we've already read. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. You may know. Many of you remember Gary Sandusky. Gary preached in Madison. That's the only place he ever preached. Uh, he preached all over the world, but his, his home was Madison, Indiana. His story is remarkable. He was working for an automotive place. He was on the assembly line, just working like he did every day. Life heavily into drugs and pornography, and he heard two guys behind him talking. They weren't talking to him, they were talking to each other. And one of the guys said to the other guy, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Do you know? And Gary's just there doing his job, but he hears that. And he thinks about that. And he realizes, if I died tonight, I wouldn't go to heaven. His life was not righteous. He started reading his Bible. At first, he didn't know how to read. He's a grown man in, in these times in America and didn't know how to read. He had to have somebody read the Bible to him. He would give passages to his co-workers and say, read that to me. And he'd memorize that. And he came to come to salvation. You can know that you're saved. Once again, in the book of 1 John, chapter 2. By this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Can I know? You open that Bible up. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Once again, the book of 1 John chapter 3 and, and verse 24. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So as we wrap this up, the apostle Paul would say in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 15. Thanks be to God for an incredible gift. Have you been baptized? Were you baptized for the right reason? Some of us were baptized. Some of us were even immersed. But we did that because everyone else my age was doing it. Or I did it because my parents told me to do it. Am I saved? That's the question. That is the most important question. You know, we sing a hymn, Jesus Loves Me. And it says, Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Am I saved? This I know, for what the Bible tells me so. My Jordan is over at uh, Paris, Kentucky this weekend, preaching over there. It's where Bob Quinn preaches. And Friday night, he used a little illustration at the very end of his sermon that I want to share with you. Jordan's very active about having devotionals in his home. His oldest boy, Benjamin, is nine years old. And they go through different units. And they were going through a unit on heaven. And he asked them three questions. Who are you? Where are you going? And how are you going to get there? And so when he first started going through heaven, he asked them, who are you? He, he said, my name is Benjamin. I'm the son of Appa. Appa is Korean. Benjamin's adopted from Korea. Appa is Korean for father. I am the son of my father. Where are you going? He said, I'm going to heaven. How are you going to get there? I'm going to follow Jesus. But Jordan said in the story, there's one day when Benjamin's just not having a good day. They went through the devotional, same three questions. Who are you? Where are you going? And how are you going to get there? 
who are you? And he said, I'm your son. Where are you going? I'm going to heaven. How are you going to get there? We're going to get there together. We're going to get there together. And that's one of the themes we see in our lessons here in the book of Acts. The Ethiopian had Philip. Saul of Tarsus had Ananias. Every one of us might have had somebody in our life to teach us, to show us, to explain to us, to look at the Bible. But what greater question than I can ask, and that is, can I know that I'm saved? If you don't know, don't leave this room today with a question mark. If you're not sure, let's just get the books open, and let's just look at what the Bible says. Well, I've always been told, or I have a certificate, or my church said isn't the answer. The answer is, what does the Lord of heaven and earth say? What does the Bible say? Now, Lord willing, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about more of this series about can I know. But I don't think of a greater question than this question. And there may be some within our hearts that say, you know what? You've used some verses today that stung me. Yeah, I've been baptized. My name's on the membership of this church. But I don't walk very well in righteousness. Maybe it's time we have some conversations. Maybe it's time we do some things together. And maybe you're one and, and you've not heard a lesson like this. Maybe you've always been told that all you have to do is say a certain prayer called the sinner's prayer, and that takes care of everything. But you don't see that in the book of Acts. In Acts 2, when they cried out, what shall we do? Peter didn't say, just say a sinner's prayer. No, he said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Can I know that I'm saved? Key, key question. So we're going to sing a song in just a moment. If you're not sure, we want to help you. If you heard enough from this sermon and you want to be baptized right now, come forward. If you're a little bit embarrassed, just raise your hand and I'll come to you. But this is the most important question. Someday, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord's not going to say, who did you vote for? in a presidential election. God is God of heaven and earth. Who cares? He's not going to say, did you invest with your company because they had a matching 401? You should have done that. Who cares? Your money stays here. God's not going to ask you whether you fertilize your yard. He's not going to ask you if you groomed your dog. He's not going to ask you about a million things that fill our lives. But what he's going to ask you is, do you know my Jesus, are you saved? And at that time, when you're standing before that throne, it's not time to drop to your knees and say, give me a second chance, please. I promise I'll be good after this. It will be too late. And that's why we preach like this. And that's why we try to touch your hearts like this. Because you can leave this building knowing as Sean Cavender did just a few months ago, he was in a church building hearing somebody else preach, got in his car, left the parking lot, somebody ran a red light, hit his car, and he died instantly. You can know whether you're going to heaven. 
Don't wait till you're 85 because the Lord may call you before you're 60. Don't wait till you get all your ducks done. My, my career is where it should be. Everything's lined up the way it should be because the Lord may call you home before then. The Lord has given you today. Today am I saved. Won't you come as we stand and sing?